0: I hope you're all enjoying, reading, and listening. I am very excited today. I have a very special guest. His name is Tom Sutherland. He is a Knight of Illumination winning lead designer at DX7 Design. Thank you so much for making time to chat with me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I am ecstatic that you're able to uh, pull away. I know that today is your first day back to work in I don't know how many days. It feels like. Feels like an eternity nowadays. I, I can hardly even remember what it's like to be on show site. Can you kind of fill me in on what it's like to be back to work today?
1: It's nice, yeah. And um, the the production that we're doing is just just a small thing for for HBO Max, um, but it's very safe. I mean, there's a medic as soon as you come in who is uh, who's testing everyone. Um, we all were made to go and have tests before we even arrived uh, in the middle of last week, so. Testing happens three days a week here everyone 's in masks everything 's sanitized at the end of the day um, yeah there 's a lady handing out crafty rather than people just going up and helping themselves. so the precautions are all here it feels It feels very safe and it 's lovely to see everyone again nice to be nice to be back in business
0: that is great I would I, if I remember the uh, restrictions were just lifted just a few a few days ago. It was, uh, you guys were all ready to get back to work pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think certainly when I got the call about this show, they were planning on being one of the first ones back. Um, and I know that there's a couple of, of other things that have popped up um, with, with some colleagues. So, but not a huge amount yet. I know that there's there's things are, uh, the, the cogs are certainly turning on many productions, but I think we are one of the first ones back. So it feels good.
0: Ah, oh, God, I'm so... Not jealous at all that uh, you get to be hanging out with other people doing adult professional yeah. things <laughs> in a place of business. <laughs> we
1: uh, we 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 try to be adult and professional. It doesn't always work like that. But the thoughts there.
0: <laughs> God, I started thinking about the days that I get to finally get back to work, and I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm hoping I remember what to even do. Just stand around like hey everybody look at all of us we're in a place in a in a room doing a thing together how, how yeah. exciting that must be
1: yeah no it's it's good it feels good having the break though i must say uh having having the time just to just to to stop um was was good i think and, and very good for the mind and very good for the body and soul so it feels nice it feels it feels like there's a new lease of life in everyone certainly around the place today which is good
0: yeah that is a it's a good hard reset for the people that were able to uh return for sure to yeah. share that uh, sentiment with you
1: absolutely and and i think many of us just in in the kind of freelance world as well just go from from one job to the next no is no was always a very hard word that i think many of us many of us had to say to to production so to to have a a force no and just to just to reset the mind has certainly done me a world of good i think over the past couple of months
0: oh good for you what did uh, what did you do to kind of reset the the generators what um, how'd you so, spend
1: your, your time off so the first couple of weeks was just literally it, it, it hit my body not not a having to worry about when everything kind of gradually just faded away Then not having to worry about chasing things or or being on top of something or just the mind the mind actually took a pause and and so my body kind of just went into a bit of a shutdown for a couple of weeks but then then things started to mobilize and and we're quite we're quite lucky where we are we've got clients kind of all around the world so people began ringing with with things here and there and then these kind of small backyard shoots came kept popping up for for people who were doing like these, these shows that were being cobbled together from people's gardens and living rooms and stuff. So, so we did a few of those and then, um, something came in in China and an arena thing that was amazing how, how that was pulled off. So we had programmers on previous systems in London and, and Los Angeles. Um, Hunter, my assistant was in Pennsylvania. We had a set designer in LA, a creative team in Vegas. And, Talkback systems and multi viewers in our living rooms, and and we were able to pull together this arena show from around the world um, in China.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: Yeah. It Thank was, uh, you,
0: Digital World. That is amazing.
1: Yeah, it was to see how it worked, and we had we had a local uh, design team in China who who we worked with before. Actually, there in in Shangsha, who were on a talkback system with us and relaying through a team of translators just how it all worked it was was great and how everyone was so receptive to to everyone's views and and being in different locations across the globe but pulling this show together it was it was brilliant it was really quite something
0: man that is something that wouldn't have even been possible even a decade ago no just you know, I'm going to I'm going to say even 5 years ago something like that would have been absolutely impossible and you would have just not been able to take the gig you would have said yeah sorry that's impossible I can't do it.
1: Yeah yeah no and now with now with technology I mean the last step for us I think is being able to connect and I know it's it's very almost there connecting artnet just across the world and I think as soon as that is able to be done then we have everything else in place now so we can the team can literally sit there in in our office or a studio and we can very almost I think control an arena in China. So I think within, within a year or so that that technology should be there, which would just be, I mean, mind blowing.
0: (laughs) Man. So this is, this is a great segue into the the bulk of this conversation is these are the sort of ideas that my generation and before were un. Fathomable, even just 13 14 years ago something that you're talking about would have required running 50 dmx lines across the pacific ocean (laughs) through the freeways and everything and now that's very obtainable yeah these are the sort of ideas that the next generation is coming up with not because not just to see if it can be done but because necessity has actually led us there. Yeah. These are very progressive new fresh ideas and these are the sort of things that you can only come up with if, if you've grown up in the digital age.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's impressive and just where this will lead us I think production wise is it's going to be something that's really interesting like many shows can't afford to take teams across the world and pay for flights and accommodation and just those costs which which add up but i mean if if over the next year or two we can have live feeds and talk about systems and have people in several time zones being able to cater for a client in saudi arabia or china or ever 24 hours a day then then i mean it's a game changer for for our industry then everyone's able to do everything from anywhere so so yeah
0: man how can you how can anybody rage against that i mean it's basically showing that it's a global economy it's a global market you could be hiring people in india for a show in china and yeah there's nothing yeah. anybody could do to stop that if that's you know yeah. it's a vpn yeah. you can just vpn in and you're running a show in china from india
1: yeah exactly it's it's amazing it's amazing how it's.
0: <laughs> Do you think that the current school system or current college or university theater programs, are they supporting this level of technology? Are they uh, pro- are they uh, putting people in a good place to be ready for stuff like this? That's
1: a good question. Um, I can't necessarily answer totally honestly, just because I never went through that route myself. Um, but from what I've seen, I don't think so. I, I think you're taught like the the basics, and I think you're taught kind of. There's so many different courses that specialise in so many different things now. But, but I think part of dealing with people in different cultures and different continents is is actually having to learn how to deal with those people as well. It's all very it's it's all very easy saying that oh we can pick up a show in in china and then do it online but knowing how those people work knowing how those people operate and knowing the behaviors of those people and how to get the best out of them is is only something that we've learned by spending time with people in in different continents and different cities and different countries um and and that's just something that i think you learn by by being there and being in in different cultures and and that's kind of one of the awesome things that I think we do and my team do is is being able to adjust who you are and how you work to to different people because it's not fair to turn up somewhere and for them to adjust to us because we're the we're coming into their territory we we have to know Mm -hmm. how to deliver the product that they want us to deliver but in their terms and and at some stage that's that's very trying and very testing and, and you have to take your patience and calm with you. But, but I think that's kind of only something that you can learn in in person. I think you can take your skills if you're a student into that. But, but still, as, as we all know, a huge amount of lighting is is politics. Um, and I don't think that's something that that many schools are, are able to teach. I think that's just how you how you conduct yourself.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. That's pr- quite often the very first question I ask on a gig is, you know, what are the politics of this one? Who's in charge? Who's going to be judging my work? Who's the who signs the paychecks? Uh, you know, yeah. who's going to be watching over my back? Those are all things that you have to know and you have to be willing to adapt. Those are those are things that you can you can't necessarily learn in school. No. Uh, did you yeah, go to you
1: school did. for lighting at all? So, no, I, I uh, back in Britain, what what we call secondary school, which is your high school from 12 to 16 or, or 18, you can drop out at 16. Um, I, I just saw people doing the lighting for kind of the school shows there when I was 12 or 13. So sent letters off to different productions at, um, at the BBC and different shows in the West End of London, theatre shows. And um, a few people replied. So um, one of those guys was a, a guy called Mark Kenyon who, um, who did Strictly Come Dancing, which is the version of Dancing with the Stars. Um, so I kind of tagged along with him from 12 up to 16, 17, then left school at 17 and just went straight into it as a kind of tech and then programmer. Yeah, doing all different bits and bobs throughout, throughout Britain really.
0: So you were in a professional setting basically as a child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My dad used to take me up to, to the BBC and and ITV in London at, at weekends. And I used to go and sit with the the lighting teams and, and watch how they did all these shows. And they used to let me sit on the console and push the go button and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, that, that's how I learned. It was, it was just being given the opportunity to sit next to a professional and, and, they would sit me at the console and say, right, do this, this, and this. And that's basically how I how I learned being in the room with the people who, who knew what they were doing.
0: So, if I remember in the US, you can't legally work until you're 16. Is that the same in Britain?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the same in Britain. So, up until that point, I'd just get, uh, would just turn up. And then if I helped out for a day in a warehouse or somewhere, be 50 pounds or something for (laughs) for the day (laughs) um for the day but yeah certainly it was it was 16 i think it was it was actually the day of my 16th birthday there was a a a big entertainment show on on itv and the, the programmer's wife wasn't very well and and i was turning up and looking at it and and the ld turned to me uh or phoned me and said hey this is the situation do you think you can do it And so, yeah, the day of my 16th birthday, I did my first TV show. (laughs) And the rest was history, so to speak.
0: (laughs) Amazing. So, at 16, the first day you can legally work, you already have four years experience and you're on the job, baptism by fire. Here we go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're in it. (laughs) Don't screw it up.
0: (laughs) God, I... I love that that story because it, it just shows that, when you're 16, you're not afraid of anything. You're like, oh. yeah, of course, I, I'm 16. I know everything, and yeah. so you don't have that. You haven't had the world beat on you yet. You're still so in that true. I know everything phase, and you so you're just given the opportunity. The oh yeah, prove it. You like watch me.
1: Yeah, you don't even know the word anxiety at that age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: man so so how did that how did that show go how was your yeah. first uh yeah. your first yeah. show at 16
1: very well very well yeah that was that was the first and that kind of led on on to more and more um but yeah no it was a good one
0: <laughs> so obviously that uh, led you to to believe and kind of approved you You're like well i clearly don't need to go to school for this i'm going to learn everything on on the show site
1: yeah i think so i was um part of when I was just learning and, and growing up and things I would just get stuck in like it of course I knew that I wanted to be programming or knew what I wanted to be an LD at the end of the day but I mean you, you can't just go in thinking you know how to do all of those things you have to know how networks work how systems are put together and and you learn that from from the from a, a team of technicians and stuff and then as you do grow up I, I found like just getting stuck in and crawling under stages helped me because all of those people who who I got stuck in with then had another level of respect and so when it was coming Mm -hmm. to do to do my own shows those people would go the extra mile for you and would uh, they knew who I was they knew they know me from growing up they know that I would help them and then in the long run they come to return the favor
0: So after your first successful show, I would imagine that you had the desire to keep moving forward, but at the same time you were 16, I would imagine you had to fill out resumes and still kind of do the interviews and you had to prove to people like, look, yeah, I'm 16, but I'm I'm pretty good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of got in with a few teams who worked in, in British television doing all the kind of entertainment stuff. Um, over those times, so so they knew who I was, and say, someone else was booked on another job, um, but the show was already set up. They'd asked me to like come and sit in for that day, and if it was like a game show or something relatively simple, you'd just sit there and run the console. Um, And so, and so that's kind of what I what I started doing, Um, and then kind of once once I did that for a little while, then of course new shows come up, and those LDs put trust in you and say hey this is your one now and and just things like that
0: uh, did you ever have to stand up for yourself did you ever just uh did you ever encounter any sort of i don't, don't want to say discrimination but i wouldn't say ageism did anybody like yes. look at this kid
1: yeah all the time um and there were some people who tried to throw me off shows for things that would just be invented and they'd come up with like different health and safety things that weren't even issues um and of course as a kid like that that hurts you more because you you're not world and wisely enough to kind of always figure out what's going on but the people who i had surrounding me who who were the people who were giving me those opportunities were always very supportive and they were the ones who were like no no this isn't right like this kid knows what he's doing we've all known him for for long enough so like oh we're going to stick up for him and and we're gonna we're gonna make sure that he has the chance and and that happened on numerous occasions and then i mean still today we we all see that in the workplace they still sit in in meetings now where, where you get people making snidey comments to you and it's it's just how you handle that to be honest like if if you know if you're confident in what you're doing but without being arrogant and give people the reasoning why you're doing something and, and sometimes potentially making bonkers decisions creatively um then then i think as long as you can justify things then i think on the whole in my experience most people have been respectful of that i think also if you can in your own mind know when it's ridiculous and it can't be achieved in the time frame or the budget or whatever and then you put your hands up and go no this is stupid all right guys let's move on to the next idea and i think if if in your your mind you're always willing to do that and not flog a dead horse so to speak then i think people are always very very amenable to you like i I always find when i do a design something we're doing at the moment is i'm always tinkering and i'm always playing around i'm like well what if we change that and there was something like I changed this morning, and the riggers just emailed me back saying, "All right, you've got the rest of this week to change stuff, and then that's it. Right, that's your cut-off date." And just, just, that, just having that relationship of going, "All right, thank you. We're no more changes. Here we are. Is your plot?" And knowing that everyone else has jobs to do as, as well as you is always always something that you've got to keep in the back of your mind.
0: <laughs> I guess the your ultimate goal then would be to at least get your foot in the door long enough to get your ideas out i would i know that when i was the younger one in the industry there was a lot of people that would just disregard even the first thing that came out of my mouth because i was just a kid they were just like well who is this kid coming in making the same amount of money at the same gig at the same level as i am i'd imagine that led to a lot of animosity at first until you had to you almost had to double prove yourself
1: yeah yeah it was it was certainly that and um it was it was weird coming over to the U.S. as well and having to almost do all of that again. Um, for, oh man, yeah. for uh, for people who who didn't have a clue who I was, like turning up and and, and it still happens now. Like uh, you, but but it just comes with the territory. Um, and and uh, I always just bring it down to the fact is that we're we're here. We we we're coming up with cool ideas. Me and the team who I work with love what we do um, and and it's it's a job that we adore and, and we, we just, we always do the best we can. We try not to get bogged down in any of those politics or, and also like people are always going to say bad stuff about you if you're young, like people aren't going to yeah. like it, you're the kids, you're coming up, like, but also it's like, who cares? Like, just do what you <laughs> do. <laughs> do what you do and do a good job and if you enjoy it then that's all that matters in my mind. I...
0: It sounds like you had a lot of support. Did I catch wind that you also had a lot of parental
1: support? Yes, yeah, very much so. My my parents were always very much very much behind me and and very supportive in a you lots of the the decisions I made in life, maybe not flying 6,000 miles overnight across the Atlantic and not going home. But, <laughs> but, but no, they were always very lovely. And uh, yeah, they, they've always been great. Um, yeah, yeah, and very good supporters of what, I, what I've done.
0: Was your dad in the industry?
1: No, he wasn't. My, my parents were actually, my dad was in the police uh, for 30 years. Um, and my mum was originally, and that's kind of how they met. And... Um, and now my dad works, he he moved into the industry, funnily enough. So when he retired from the police, he started working with a, a crime writer, a lady called Linda LaPlante. Um, So he's a forensic advisor for her and advises on all of her TV shows and dramas and, and all of that and advises on like all of the, the forensics on the crime scenes and, and helps her write her books now and all of this stuff based on... <laughs> based on his experience in the police force.
0: Wow. Your dad followed you into the entertainment industry. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. It's funny how it all works out.
0: <laughs> so when you first told them that you were into entertainment and theater and stuff, did they, did they get it at first? Or yeah, did, they, I, uh, did they blink an eye?
1: No, I I think so. Like, And the, the team who, the teams who I grew up with were always very, great like my dad would come and sit with us in the studios and we'd all go for drinks afterwards so my my family knew the the teams of people who were helping giving me opportunities as well so they were very very supportive and then when it came to leaving school my mum was against it but but those those people um were just kind of said look he's he's got the contacts he's I was literally bunking off school three days a week to go and work anyway at that stage so (laughs) um uh, so so they were like look just just let, let him do it if that's what he wants to do and my dad was always very supportive of that so yeah the rest is history so to speak
0: oh my god as a parent you kind of sound like a nightmare You're like <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna quit school i'm gonna do that i'm gonna run away to join the circus and then i'm also gonna fly to another country to start the same job in a place where i've never been yeah
1: Uh, is that that a fair assessment (laughs) probably on paper yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) so fill me in on the transition how did you get from britain to la
1: so i um i think i was around 23 24 there was uh an ld um who uh used to do kind of the all of the audition stages of the x factor in britain who um he went off to do another job one year and the producers of, of the X Factor knew me from programming it and said Tom look, do you think do you think you could you could do it and so I was like yeah yeah give it a shot and um, so I think it was yeah 23 and um, started designing all of the, the X Factor auditions in Britain and um, got to know kind of the teams from that and uh, Creative directors and and things from from those shows and then uh, Simon Cowell's company had a show called Labanda which was uh, done uh, for Univision in in Miami and the creative director of that was a guy called Brian Burke who's a who's a good friend of mine who also did The X Factor that year and so they asked Brian to do Labanda and then um, he checked with uh, Psycho uh entertainment if it was all right if i came over and and did it and so so that that was it um back in 2015 we were we were on miami beach lighting palm trees and, and i still pinch myself now
0: <laughs> so you didn't have a plan you just you came over for a job and then and then yeah. you just didn't go back
1: it didn't go back or... came over, yeah came over for that then also uh i knew uh, the director who was doing adam lambert's tour um a lovely lady called brooke wendell she um her and adam went back a long way so she brought me on to do that and um then i uh, there's a production company called done and dusted who are who are great people who i do a few bits for and uh they had a show for mtv and um, called wonderland that was a, a very cool thing that and took over like a block of downtown LA. And we had all of these different performance spaces and all these old abandoned warehousey type buildings. Um, and it, it was just like a block party basically every week on, on MTV. And I just went to Dun & Dusted and introduced myself one afternoon. And and then the next day they asked me to do the show. So so that was it. Packed, packed the bag, finally. Um, got on the plane and never really went home. <laughs>
0: wow yeah so all of these new opportunities did you have to keep striving for them or did they just fall in your lap
1: i mean I, for lack I've of been, a better term yeah i've, I've been very lucky um, in everything we've done i've i've never really had to go knocking on any doors every every show that i've done has always kind of fallen in fallen in my lap and 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 just come our way um which i I still don't know quite how it's happened and if someone could if someone asked me i don't quite know how to explain it um yeah we've just been very lucky with everything that we've kind of done
0: maybe you've got a shamrock in your back pocket that you're not telling everybody about or something maybe
1: it's 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 a testament to the people you surround yourself with i think as well like
0: that is your uh, shamrock
1: yeah it is it is i have a brilliant team of people who who i work with who are. who are all very lovely and all very talented, some of which much more talented than I am. (laughs) So they, uh, in their own rights, at what they do and, and so that's, that's it. It's, it's, it's very much who you surround yourself with. One person can't, can't pull together shows on the scale that, that we do. It's, it's a massive team effort.
0: Right on. So when did you decide to finally break away from behind the console and start proving to everybody that not only were you a programmer, but also a designer?
1: I think it was pretty much at the same time that I, that I came out here, like programming Britain's Got Talent and and X Factor for years and then taking the leap just to say, right. the, The more and more LD work was coming in in Britain. Um, and so it was, it was either keep working for, for other LDs or it was just make, make the leap on my own. And then I think when the, the job offer for Labanda came in, it was just one thing led to another. And that was the right timing that, that kind of needed, needed just to give me the shove.
0: Nice. So then you had to kind of reestablish yourself again as not only being a younger programmer, but a younger designer. Uh, what were the steps that you took to kind of let everybody know, like, hey, man, I'm a designer now. And uh, and I'm a professional designer. Uh,
1: it, um, I think it was just natural. I think certainly in Britain, more and more people just started asking me to to design shows, um, and and I think that's just like a natural succession because it's new, fresh ideas, fresh blood. People always like, um, and and so I just became friends with more producers and more directors. And then obviously when they get new shows in, they ask you to do them. And then so I basically came over to the US as was already an LD with a, a decent chunk of credits under me that I could then then people were seeing. And and lots of the shows like all of the Simon Cow stuff, they obviously had their productions over here. So I knew producers who'd naturally come over here. So there was there was a, a decent chunk of people who who I had that kind of relationship right with already
0: so in the process this is and this is a good way to kind of sum up two of the things we've been talking about do you think that designers should continue to program should they know how to program i, uh, do I you, or uh, to be more specific do you prefer being a designer slash programmer or do you think that should be two different jobs uh
1: i think so to answer the first question i, I think yes i think you need to come into a situation knowing how to create things I think you need to you need to when you're designing a lighting plot I always look at the geography I can create within beams or within fixtures within that plan and I wouldn't know how to do any of that and I wouldn't know what those fixtures could achieve if I hadn't have come from a a programming background and and with all of my programmers, I'm, I'm very much hands on and, and we're all very much in it together. And we bounce those ideas from each other. And, and, and I think they like it because I know exactly what, what they need to do to get that done. So I can then, if a production are waiting, I can then translate it to them and know exactly how long they're going to need and support them in that fact. Um, and so, so, yes, I, I, I do think it, it really helps to know. and how to pull together an image and and artistry and stuff if if you can do do i think that you should still be a design programmer i think it depends on what the scale of stuff that you do is i think it's on what we do it's very difficult just because there's there's not enough time and 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 you need to delegate those kind of things to people who who can just focus on doing that Um, but i think certainly if you're if you're in a, if there's a smaller like rock and roll tour or something that can't afford to have both roles. And yeah, I think, I think it's great. And doing those smaller things is actually where, where you make the mistakes and where you learn what's mm-hmm. good, what's bad, what works, what doesn't. So, yeah.
0: So when you are a designer programmer, do you feel like you get more of yourself into the looks because you're actually the one pushing the buttons or do you find you get better results? having a programmer who can translate what you're saying
1: um yes i find it you get better results having good translate having a programmer translate what you're saying um and i'm i'm very vague with what i am saying so they are <laughs> driven nuts i'll be like I, I need a zhuzhuz over there and, like, <laughs> and now we now we all worked together for so long now they get it <laughs> but at the beginning they're like what the fuck's he talking
0: about i need seven shoes
1: <laughs> and like there's if there's a cruise to brown they're like what are they talking about like joe who's one of my main programmers he's just like all right bum 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 it's like that's it
0: <laughs> um, yeah zhuzh. you got it, yeah. Nailed it.
1: <laughs> um yeah so it's it's having and also like more minds are better than one so if i have an idea bouncing that off people who are are experts in their fields and creative geniuses as well like it's it's great to have all those ideas into into one pot
0: so do you do you prefer collaboration design Do do you like it when you're carte blanche and you get to just do whatever you want to run rough shot with any crazy idea you've got
1: uh a collaboration's always good I think um, the way how I mean if there's a set designer on something then lots of the set designers who we work with are great so they'll come mm-hmm. up with the idea they'll then send it to me and say hey where would you like things uh, Florian Weider on this last season with Dancing with the Stars for example there was a big back and forth and it was it was about how we could make this art deco set work as one with lighting fixtures built into it so lots of those scenic pieces are built specifically to house like Mac encores or Vega points. So, so the set and lighting works as one, which is, which is always something I am very strong with it. it, All of these things can't just be a set and then a lighting plonked on top it. Mm -hmm. You have to follow the shape. You have to follow the lines. You have to, it has to be a a merged design. And that certainly when you have that, that collaboration i think they're the best results on any production
0: i agree so coming from there when did you finally make it enough that you realize like hey man i'm about to be an award-winning designer people are starting to recognize that i've got some skills and they they kind of recognize that even as a i'd imagine you're at late 20s at this point that you were really doing some big shows
1: yeah and um, I mean, you get the phone calls and, and still when the, when the amazing jobs comes in, I, I hang up the phone and jump up and down with excitement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for being um, so honest. I, I, need the same. Um, I, I
1: don't, I, I always try to not get tied up on the whole award thing. Of course it, it's very flattering and it's very, it's very nice, but do you know what? Just the, the the award for me has always been when you're there and you're doing a show, and it's either the first night or the first, the house lights go off, and there's up to 80,000 people screaming, and you present something that you've just spent months uh, putting your heart and soul into, and, and your passion and, and your, your team's heart and soul into it. I think that's, that's always been the biggest award for me. Like, mm-hmm. of course, something on a mantelpiece piece is is always very flattering, but but just just that moment of 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 watching months of of work it just happen in front of you and and the beams of of smiles on audiences' faces surrounding you at a front of house position is is the biggest award of this job, and I've always I've always Absolutely. found that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I have a hard time, and maybe you can help me out with this one. I have a hard time separating myself and my own ego from the presentation. And sometimes I think that I've done a good job and people don't and all, and, and vice versa. Sometimes I think I freaking nailed it and other people don't. And I, I, I'm getting better, but I used to have a hard time separating those two. How are you at uh, separating uh, judging your art versus judging you? Because uh, so much of your art yeah. is yourself
1: yeah um the the hardest thing i think about i know that's what, a big question there no, the hardest thing i think about what we do as, as lighting designers is we're we're artists in our own right and when an artist has has to is asked to paint a picture and you have a bit of art commission to go on someone's wall you you have as long as you want we we have a very small time frame with some massive mega stars who were sat next to us or stood behind us and you you always have to pluck out of their head what it means to them for this album or or whatever they've spent the past two years working on you you have a a few hours sometimes a few minutes to put into their eye line what that means and Mm -hmm. and just the the stress and pressure of, of trying to translate that alone is is massive and And I think, like, it's, I always find it's, I'm there to, to support that person who is ultimately employing us, but ultimately it's, it's their work. Like, it's, it's not about always what we have to throw at a stage and and how big and how brash we can make something it's. Sometimes you just have to take a seat back. And if, if whoever the artist is, is delivering a performance that is carrying itself, and sometimes you just have to go turn it all off. Like that's the biggest statement that that you can make because they're doing the work on stage for you. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, if it's if it's a, an EDM artist or a DJ where it relies on the production, then then you go you go all in, and, and of course you deliver and you deliver and deliver until they say maybe cut back. But I think it's just knowing that boundary line. And and I, I'm with you. I I do struggle at times. Sometimes having to just swallow swallow your heart a bit and going okay and and it is personal because at the end of the day we're all artists trying to deliver Mm -hmm. something that we all care about um but it's just trying to find that line between between that fine line between where you just swallow it and and do what's right for the process and the production and then I I do think that if if you believe in something you've done, then you should push to it respectfully to a certain extent and make that person see why you've done it. And then if they're still insistent, then then you swallow it. You swallow your pride and go, all right, here you go. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I think you have to push as hard as you can until you get convinced otherwise. Yeah. Uh, There's so much that we want to put up there and there's so many times that we can think that we're right no matter what until... We just finally have to concede and say, you know what, I'm I'm not always right. Yeah. in this case you've you've convinced me that your vision is yeah. the proper one. Whether I agree with you or not, I'm gonna do what you've what you've asked me to do.
1: Yeah, no, um, exactly. And they are tricky situations. I've gone white as a sheep many a time in <laughs> in having to deal that.
0: <laughs> so at this point in your career you're working on some, some very large mega shows do you find that you get better results when you have, and I don't want to say completely unrestrained budget, but a, a larger budget, or do you find you are able to dig deeper when you have a more restrained budget? Do you, do you work better under constraints?
1: Um, I used to. <laughs> um, Interesting. No, was, in, uh, I, I, some of the things that taught me what I know now are the shows where you had no money. And you had mm-hmm. to just really, you had to really dig in. And, you know, I remember this, this MTV thing we did downtown and we sent Don Winters, the gaffer, to to every Home Depot we could find in Los Angeles to buy some of the small little square halogen workman's lights. And then we wrapped LED around the front of them all um, and just made like a massive matrix out of, out of all these things. Um, and just like having to use your mind and come up with cheap and cheerful tricks like that, I... I enjoy but certainly as as you get busier and as the shows get bigger having a bigger budget certainly helps Um, Mm -hmm. but still I mean you never have all the money you want Um, and and I always find that as long as you design with having things in enough different positions to to vary a show that you know is gonna contain 12 performances and go go on for close to two hours um, it's our job to keep reinventing throughout that, so you need to have enough 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 ammo to ensure that and whether that's cheap gags or or expensive gags it's it's your job as a designer to kind of decipher that budget and make sure that that you you're putting in enough to keep the audience entertained and that can be a struggle can be a real struggle at mm-hmm. times
0: so the times that you do have a uh, an adequate budget what what is the leading Factors when it comes to deciding if you're going to go big and flashy or large and elegant, uh, is it completely based on the music, or is it always based on what you're feeling at the time?
1: um I I think it always has to be based on on who you're working with. I mean, every every artist or every TV show or whatever it is we're doing, they're a brand in themselves, and so. We're being employed to input our brand into theirs, so you have to you have to look at at that and what that artist or that show entails, and and make sure that that you're incorporating into your design what what their brand is. So, for example, like Dancing with the Stars, although it's like a a TV entertainment show, this new set design was quite elegant and Art Deco, so that was like filling lots of the voids with just festoon bulbs and lining the balconies with festoon bulbs these kind of cheap and cheerful tricks that are a whole look in themselves and look awesome on camera um just help with with when it comes to where the budgets run out once you've used all your money up on on whatever <laughs> on whatever whatever lighting fixtures you need so always having those those kind of tools up your sleeve that you know are got to help you when producers go oh there's a black hole over there or why is this big void there filling those kind of spaces with those those cheap and cheerful tricks is uh is something that i always try to get ahead of the game on um and then yeah i think when it when it comes into like live music performance and stuff i I think you always just have to cater to who the artist is you're not going to like a rock and roll show the same as you are a celine dion show for example so just mm-hmm. making sure that your mind is in in that of the artist who you're representing is always probably the best rule.
0: Oh, that's a great answer. That, that is the best rule. since you have been so fortunate at such a young age when did you decide that you needed to start a team and build a, a group of people to support you?
1: When, when i realized i couldn't do it on my own anymore. <laughs> Um, mm. when 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 the stress got too much to be honest with you um it was it was when you just realized hang in a minute this is outgrowing me um and and that's hard like it's hard because you've opening up and entrusting other people then to to come as part of a team is 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 difficult letting go and then delegating and knowing how to how to do that it took took a little while just for to trust my team and say like oh here's a here's a lighting plot. do you want to start it and then i'll jump in on it and now now we have that that repertoire between us and and it's great but yeah it was it was when we were working in kind of three different continents four different continents at once and you go to bed to 50 emails you wake up to 50 and then there'd be hundreds in the day in between And as one person you just can't manage that and so mm-hmm. so that that was the point whereas like we i had to bring on Joe Joe Holdman who's who's a partner in the company and then Hunter Selby who's worked with us for the past the past year now and and those guys are great they really are the, the legs and arms of the business
0: you take on a lot more uh, responsibility beyond creative influence at that point you you've actually become a business person i would imagine that's yeah. a whole new world for yeah. for you
1: it is it is it is and that that was a scary point as well once you once as any freelancer knows like you always worry about where your next job's coming from um and then having to add salaries and things onto onto that of people who you're employing it's it's another extra level of worry and responsibility and and that on top of all of the shows and all of the (laughs) the responsibility you have there that, that that's a big leap and and something that that i was very nervous to to make originally but has 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 really paid off and has, has made us stronger as a as a company and as a team
0: yeah we are we're uh we're much stronger together when uh when the trust is strong and the the support is mutual it looks 100%. like your team has been very good at uh even through thick and thin that they've been there for you to make sure that you, they've got your back
1: yeah yeah they haven't an, and we're now at a stage where all of our clients around the world know know all of the team members who are kind of in-house and and the the freelancers who we use as well so if i can't go somewhere then then our clients wherever are are very happy to have have our, our team members go and and i'll kind of oversee it from afar if if needs being and and to be in in that situation is fantastic because it means we get to grow the business it means the team get more responsibility and get to get their hands stuck in things and and learn more from a design point of view and and it just it builds everyone it makes everyone on stronger and and that's a real positive
0: was that a an interesting transition shifting the reputation of Tom Sutherland from Tom Sutherland to DX7 design because yeah. basically now there's three people that represent your name through the corporate entity.
1: Correct. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's odd. It's like, it's, it's odd, but it's, it's great. And it's exciting. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> a, a great description. It's, it's how, and it's how you just go from, from the one person into creating a kind of brand. And, and that is, it's it's a great transition and, and I still like if someone asked how it happened or it, it was just all very natural. I'm not quite sure how, but um yeah, it's we have a, a great team and there's having a, a team of people where there's no egos and just I can if I get stuck on a design I can throw it to Joe and say, Hey, look, I, I've got a roadblock here, like I don't know where to where to do this, and then he can put his uh his his mind into it and then it it relieves that roadblock so to speak so just like i said earlier more more minds are better than the one
0: so that uh, it's it's amazing that we've been uh, going so fast it's hard to believe that we are actually went to an hour that quickly oh, <laughs> one of the questions i really wanted to ask you is when you're building a team how do you ensure diversity of opinion how do you make sure that you don't just have a bunch of people that are your employees and that they're actually your associates and your partners.
1: We're friends. We're all friends. I, I've always run the the business in a very relaxed manner, um, and and my because we all work together all the time, and we're all on the phone all day, and that I I think like it's it's always been very informal, and it's always been very relaxed. And of course, friends have arguments and can bicker, but also. <laughs> Friends can tell each other when something's crap, and we need to start again. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think I think that's the relationship that we all we all have. It's all very honest. It's all there's not a huge amount of emotion there. It's 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 how do we achieve this? How do we make it work for whatever the budget is? And how do we make this look cool? Um, and and everyone who works with us is is very much. Much like that, and and I make sure that that my team are are always of that personality, and I think that just helps keep the energy up and uh, everyone happy. And if everyone's happy at the end of the day, then you're going to get the best result.
0: Uh, I believe there's a very famous quote that says happiness is the ability to work with your friends.
1: Yes, yeah, very much so. I'd agree with that.
0: Do you believe that because you're so comfortable and your trust is so high that you guys can both just say no? no sorry tom that's crap i know that you put half an hour into that idea but that's it's just crap
1: yeah 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 many a times like we'll we'll do something in previews and then it will come into real life and i'll just start laughing if something's not good and then and then the the team will like start laughing and it's it's just like we all know when something is good and we all know when we're trying to flog a dead horse so so I, I think we all save a lot of time and pain if we realize that early on rather than trying to push something that's not very good <laughs>
0: what a great working relationship that you've uh, you've created man it sounds like you have such a great working relationship with your friends and you've actually been able to place yourself in such a situation where you can be creative with your buddies it sounds like you have a long path ahead of you Tom
1: yeah yeah I mean it's fingers crossed touch with things things carry on and uh, I, yeah I think we're, we're all having a, a huge amount of fun and as long as it as long as it always stays like that then I, I really believe like the saying is true you'll never have to work a day in your life so so and try don't get me wrong. There are good days and there are bad days, but <laughs> on the whole, <laughs> on the whole, yeah, yeah, we love it. We do love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that it, when it comes to my wife, her and I, we're very good at being married. We're not so good at working together, or uh, if, especially if it can, if it uh, involves sitting at a computer together, it never goes very well. Oh, but yeah. uh, but working with my friends, that is something I've always cherished. I, I've always said that I think the best tour would be the tour where your, your friends are with you. I'm quite jealous. It sounds like you're in a very good position, Tom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. Life, life's very good. Having a fun time.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I appreciate it. I, I hope I'm not taking up too much of your time away from your first day back in the office. That's a, Congratulations on that.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.